Hello and welcome to Glossy Trend Watch Influencer Edition. I'm your host, Katie Richards, a senior technology reporter covering all things fashion here at Glossy. We'll be taking a look at some of the most prominent fashion influencers and how they've used their success and big followings on social media to launch major brands. For our second episode, I sit down with Matian Kari, a menswear blogger who co-founded footwear brand Ankari Flores with fellow blogger Marcel Flores. I spoke to Mati about learning the ins and outs of designing footwear and how to leverage his social following to drive sales. That's up next. Hi, Mati. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, I want to hear all about the brand, about Ankari Flores. But before we do that, I want to take a little step back and hear a little bit about you and kind of your job as an influencer, how you got your start and all about your blog. So take us back to, you know, when you first started blogging and, and getting into this influencer space. I hope you guys have five hours because I <laughs> love to talk about myself. No, I'm kidding. Um, so I kind of started nine years ago Okay. Um, as, while I was at Baruch College. I was studying accounting and wanted kind of like to escape from the reality. And I kind of started this little blog that then became a business within two years. Um, within that time, I also transferred over to FIT, got an internship at Marie Claire, and started to really immerse myself with fashion. Um, you know, I was building contacts, going to events, being completely consistent with my Instagram and blog, like posting an outfit every single day, like multiple photos a day. Back then, it was more about the outfits, I feel. So it was just like easy to post. There wasn't that much thought process to it. It was just like, oh, I like my look. Let me post it. So yeah, I was actually like one of the first wave of male influencers about that nine years ago, there was like five of us out there. Um, and at the time women were dominating it. Like the women, female influencers, something Navy, Danielle, we were what they were doing it full time and killing it. So while I was in college at FIT, I also got an internship at GQ magazine where I then got promoted and I stayed on there for about three years. I worked under Jim Moore Um, And I was there for three years. I was still very consistent with my blog. They were allowing me to do both. But at one point, I had to just take a step back and focus on my own brand because it was it was growing. I was like making money from it. I was monetizing it. I was going on event. I was going to all these events. I was going on all these press trips. And I had to decide what do I want to do? Right. Because some influencers that work, they wanted to quit their full time job to just be an influencer. And at the time, they, we weren't called influencers. They were called bloggers or socialites. We were never called influencers. This is a new word made up in the last three years. Um, so when bloggers wanted to quit their full-time job, they were obviously like scared. They didn't know what this industry was. They didn't know if this was a real professional. They didn't know if this was a real industry. And you know, if you if I was about to like quit everything, everything that I worked for, I worked five years in editorial. I'm like, am I ready to jump out and do my own thing? Mm-hmm. But I actually launched the shoe brand with my fellow influencer, Marcel Flores. Yeah. Marcel and I went to college together. We went to FIT. And I launched my blog in 2011. He launched his in 2013. And we kind of hung out every single day while we were in school. We were shooting one another. We were always hanging out. We went to events together. We were always like, we were be- the best of friends. We're still the best of friends. Um, but at the time, after, you know, I've been doing it for five years. Once I hit that mark, I knew I wanted to do something new. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. we have this audience. We have this opportunity let's make something of course we don't want a full ready-to-wear collection it's just so much work why don't we do like an accessory and me and marcel obviously share the whole passion for shoes Mm -hmm. and we absolutely love it and that's something that we share in common and um 
I actually have this idea of seven shoes for seven days of the week. Okay. These are just like your essentials, your staples that you're going to wear either over and over again or multiple times throughout the season. Okay. So we kind of introduced that three years ago, and we've done a couple capsule collections since. And recently, we just launched at Nordstrom. Yeah, that's yeah. exciting. Yeah. So um, take me back, though, a little bit um, before we get into the, the okay. wholesale partnership. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, you mentioned that you both kind of had a lot of experience in the industry. You were working yeah. with brands. I'm sure, like, through your own platform, you had, like, branded partnerships and, and whatnot. Um, but how did you guys really go about, like, learning the shoe business and learning, you know, the ins and outs of yes. creating a shoe? So. When I brought the idea to Marcel, I actually was on a press trip in Vegas doing the trade show, and I met a incredible guy who's been in the industry for 30 years, mm-hmm. and he is considered our silent partner, okay. and he's been in the industry for more than 30 years, and he's been doing shoes and footwear for many other brands, and I kind of just brought this idea to him, and he was really interested in it, and that's how we kind of came about, and that's how we have the factories that we work with. Mm -hmm. And initially before we launched our shoe brand, we actually went through not hundreds of samples, but we went through like maybe three to four, maybe even five rounds of samples to make sure that we actually love the shoe and we perfected the silhouette the way that we wanted it. Okay. Um, So yeah, we were very lucky to have him. And also Marcel and I can't do it all. Like we have so much on our plate already and we need that, we need a base. We need someone. If we were to go out to Italy and to Spain, we actually make all of our shoes now in Italy. And, you know, if we go out there, like we need to go look for it and make the relationships and make sure they trust us. And, you know, they're, they're producing thousands of shoes. They need to trust us that we're going to pay them and also like pick them up and ship them and do things with, you know, they, it's, it's a relationship thing. And I think he had that. And that's why we felt comfortable going with him. Yeah. So are you guys still part of that experience though, where you're going out to Italy and meeting with the manufacturers and, and getting to know them and showing them your product? So we do have a factory in uh, Naples and we went out there in June just to meet them because they've been making our shoes for two seasons now. We were originally in Spain producing and now we brought it all to Italy. Mm-hmm. I do love Spain, but I think Italy... What I'm learning in this experience is that we're learning to make things better, better. Like my first collection that we released, me and Marcel's first collection that we released, there are things that I wish I changed. Like, and I'm I'm getting better now. Yeah. That I won't have those regrets. Like I right. won't have those. Like, oh yeah, I wish I changed it. I wish it was like this. Like now I'm getting to a point where I know, like, oh, I love this, and we did a great job on it, and I I trust it, and I believe it. That in ten years from now, I'll never say, oh shoot, I wish the eyelets were purple. Right. You it's know. a learning process. Yeah. Yeah. And how much do you, um, you and Marcel, kind of tap into your followers to kind of help you understand, you know, what they want, what kind of styles they're looking for? All the time. Yeah. All the time. All the time. So even if like we just released, um, we didn't release them, but we're working on like a chunky sneaker, not a chunky sneaker per se, because in my opinion, I think that trend is dying a yeah. little bit. But it is that oversized look. Because, for example, the Nike Sakai collection, it's it's still hot. I think that's still that's still a silhouette that's not... I think the Triple S version of it is kind of dying down. But, like, the oversized shoe, like the Bottega Veneta Chelsea boot and, like, the row and women's wear, like, I feel like they are making still oversized shoes mm-hmm. and they're still making it fashion. And we're trying to make our own kind of oversized sneaker. And we kind of, you know, we post it on our stories just to get, like, feedback. And we get automatic feedback within the first hour like oh do people like it do people will people buy it Mm -hmm. and 
you know, most of the time it is positive because I do feel like our audience follows us for a reason and they like us. Yeah. So if we like something, they're most likely to like something. Like if we we're on the fence on, of something, they're probably on the fence of something. Like there's a reason why they're following us. Mm-hmm. One of the things, too, that I find really interesting with, you know, when influencers launch collections is they they have this kind of built-in customer base when they, you know, launch their brand, people that are following them that love their style and and therefore probably want to buy products that they're making. But how much of um, have your experience, do you think, has been, you know, your followers buying the product versus you marketing and, and finding new customers that maybe don't know about you and Marcel? That is a very good question. So we're we're learning that. So I know... I see the return because what I notice is with influencers and with collaborations and when they do their own product, if I'm promoting a product and being paid to promote a product, it's the follower is least likely to buy it unless they really like the product. Now that I'm posting a product that I personally have, like they rather support me than like someone that they don't know. Right. Like they're more likely to buy something that I make than than something that I'm just promoting. Mm-hmm. So I find that I f- we see that return when we post something that we love and like we're posting it and it's like ours. We'll get DMs. I'll get constant DMs like asking like, oh, like how do they run? Or like, what would you recommend? Like, this is my first Chelsea boot. What color should I get? And we get that direct um, communication from them. And it's nice to have that. So that way we can, you know, most brands don't have that. You're not talking yeah. to the designer. Like you're talking directly to the social media person or like right. their customer service. And like we, we see that return and, and we see the sales through our social media platform. Right. So you're like having those conversations with customers and DMs and, and talking to them about like, yeah. hey, you should, if this is your first Chelsea boot, you should get this color. It's a great fall color or whatever. Exactly. Like cool. I'm like, hey, if this is your first Chelsea boot, I feel like black is the most essential one. Like right. it's a staple. You should own it. But also to your point about advertising, we do advertise and we want to reach new, new people because you're just so many men out there that don't follow us and we want we want to you know capture them and show them how great our product is and i think that's how you know the nordstrom club partnership is so amazing for us because it's giving us a vehicle to drive in that's completely different from the vehicle we're in yeah so yeah tell me a little bit about the nordstrom partnership and um you know originally you guys were direct to consumer and now you have this wholesale partner how did that come about so about um I think when the men's store opened, the Nordstrom okay. men's store opened, me and Marcel attended, we were hanging out talking, and Robert Evans, who's the VP of footwear of Nordstrom, um, comes up to us and says, hey, like, how are you guys? And me and Marcel just I thought first thought, like, oh, he probably like knows us from the industry. Turns out he was the VP of footwear. So I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> um, so we kind of had a breakfast there and then a lunch there, and then we went to Seattle. We presented our collection, and they were all – they were – very excited about it. We were extremely excited about it. This has been literally a dream of mine. And this is my five year dream. And we completed it like within two and a half years. That's great. Yeah. It, it was an organic relationship. And I think it was amazing. Like it's amazing for us to have mm-hmm. give our followers an opportunity to try on the shoes in person, especially since footwear is such a sensitive thing. When you order a hoodie and it's a medium, like it's most likely going to fit you. Like either oversized or more fitted with shoes you need to make sure it fits and i feel like there's a lot of of our followers that want to try them on and feel them and this is like a an opportunity for them to feel it and touch it and go in store and try them on and also an opportunity for us to capture a completely different audience people that have never heard about us and that's kind of it's great working with them and they're also the best yeah and how many um stores are you in now with nordstrom we're currently in seven stores okay seven of the key markets 
um, San Jose, South Coast Plaza, Century City, New York, Chicago, Dallas. I'm missing one. That's okay. Oh, and the Grove. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. The Grove. Yeah. The Grove's amazing. <laughs> we had an event there and we had an event in New York and most of the stores are doing really, really great. Okay, cool. And is there a plan maybe to look um, to expand as, as the collection, you know, grows or as the brand grows? For sure. For sure. I think we're, we're still, we're talking to them about it right now. Um, I know we just launched our holiday collection and they're picking it up. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we're continuing that relationship. And now I think we're talking about spring, which is coming really, really soon. Okay, yeah. cool. And then you're sold online as well through Nordstrom. Yes. So we're, we're available. We, they only pick up a certain amount of SKUs, okay. a certain amount of silhouettes and colorways. And most of the colors are available on dropship on their website. And also they're available on our website as well. Okay, cool. And I guess um, one of the things I always find really interesting is, you know, when when direct-to-consumer brands move into that wholesale space, there's always kind of some learning curves associated with that or some challenges. Were there any things that kind of presented themselves to you and your partner when, when you first started working with Nordstrom that you maybe weren't expecting or some challenges you guys faced? I mean, one big challenge, I feel like, for Marcel and I, before we we're in partnership with Nordstrom before we had a wholesale account. We kind of just, you know, did footwear when we wanted to. We didn't have deadlines. We just, okay, we're like available to talk. Let's get on a phone call. Like it wasn't a weekly thing, a daily thing. It wasn't like constantly talking about it. Um, So we learned that really quickly that we need to, you know, actually dedicate a lot more time to this. And of course we want to, like we love it. And before we didn't have deadlines to meet wholesale numbers like we could just you know drop a collection whenever we want we don't have to wait till we don't have to drop it in april we could drop it in july like that's when summer's happening like we didn't have to follow any rules now we're there are some rules to follow yeah so a learning curve again yeah Yeah. so it's it's fine it's it's i mean it's fine i actually prefer that way I, i like being on a schedule a little bit more structured exactly yeah that's good yeah um and yeah i think like we're also learning about like the markets that what shoes are doing well and where they're doing well and, you know, why, let's say it's a certain silhouette is not performing well in one in one city, but it's doing amazing in the other city. Like, we're learning that now. Um, and I think I think it's cool learning all about that because it's just going to make us better for the next season. Yeah, that's great that you get that kind of data back and you can really use that to, to like, grow the brand and, yeah. and figure out what markets you should go into next. Exactly. Market in and all that. My goal, our goal is to definitely expand and, you know, just we're right now available in the, in the United States, but, you know, Canada, London and Europe is definitely in the in the cards for us. OK. And any any thoughts on like whether you would want to look for more wholesale partners or kind of make that a bigger part of the business? What's kind of the, I guess, balance you look to strike between DTC and wholesale? I mean, those are definitely questions that come up every single day for us. Yeah. Um, but I personally... And I think Marcel as well, like we want to grow the brand. We want more people wearing them. We want more people loving them. So I think right now we are exclusive with Nordstrom, which we're happy to continue being exclusive with Nordstrom because they're so great. But if, let's say something, let's say they're allowed, we're allowed to not be exclusive, then yeah, of course I would love to be in other doors. I would love to be in little boutique stores throughout the U.S. There are so many stores out there. There are so many great menswear. New, like menswear is happening right now. So I feel like there's a lot of menswear stores that are, that no one has ever heard of and I want to be in them. I want to mm-hmm. be like, I want our product to be available there. Yeah. And so, you know, outside of wholesale, um, any other like big challenges that you've found as, you know, shifting from an influencer to someone who has their, their, your own brand, um, any other big challenges that you've come across that you think people would kind of relate to or, or learn from? 
I mean, it's definitely different, you know, managing my own brand and managing a footwear brand. Like okay. I have to be more serious with the footwear brand than opposed to my own brand. I, I like, I don't take things that much, that serious, but I, you know, I'm more funnier. I have to just be a little bit cautious with the things I say as a brand owner, designer, whatever okay. it is. <laughs> yeah. Wait, talk to me a little bit more about that though. That's interesting. Like, how do you strike that balance? Like, I feel like Marcel and I were talking about it recently because I think I once posted something on the Ankari Flores Instagram post and he, he said, you know, maybe we should like tone it down a little bit. Like I see why, like, like you post that on your Instagram. Yeah, I get it. But like from a brand, like it'll be, it'll be a little bit, I forgot what it was, but I was like, you know, and I didn't think of that, but it's nice that we have one another to like, A, keep us in check and B, like, you know, get feedback from one another. Um, but yeah, like I feel like there's a lot of different challenges that you have as a brand owner compared to being a influencer of course as an influencer i'm my own brand and i'm i wear 10 different hats and as a brand designer i don't even know what to call it anymore brand owner designer intern all I'm the like above. Yeah, yeah all the above um but you know we're a really really small brand we're like a team of five. Oh wow yeah so there's a lot of hats that need to be worn and there's a lot of and a lot of people are like working on other things as well and we we just need a energy behind it and making sure things are getting done and it's just a lot more responsibility than we ever imagine, and mm. obviously we're up for the challenge. But yeah, it's I, I can't think of like the exact challenge. Right, it's just time consuming. Yeah, it's, it's just time consuming. Exactly, yeah. it's, it's just a lot more effort. Like it's funny because like now that I, as an influencer, I get so many things, and working it on Kari Flores, we try to gift as many, not as many people, but we're still a small brand, so we can't gift a thousand pairs of shoes. Right, but, you know, we have like you know a twenty-five to fifty range that we can gift and you know when we gift it out and we don't get anything in return like it it affects us and we're sad about it but like now i know what it's like when a brand sends me something and they're bummed about it so i always now if i really like the product not even if i really like if i like it i'll post in my stories just so you know Mm -hmm. what they took the effort to they thought of me and they think that i would like it and if i do like it I'll post it yeah. on my stories. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm like, brands, I, don't send me a million things. Please don't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I have noticed, though, a lot of influencers, like, shifting to posting in their stories versus on their feed. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you get so much stuff, and you have to balance that with your own content, and it must be hard to balance all of it. I mean, remember, like, nine years ago when people used to, like, post everything they got on their Instagram feed? Right. It was like, crazy. oh, my God, I just got a package from Burberry. Like, and it was like a Burberry <laughs> scarf. Like, I'm like, oh, my, like, how are you going to? Imagine doing that today. Like, no one's, everyone's going to unfollow you. Like, yeah. They're like, um, what is this content that you're like? Okay, we get it. You're cool. You're getting all this clothing. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, things, it is definitely shifting. Yeah. And I think, I think that's an interesting point, too, that, you know, being an influencer yourself, you've kind of learned about the influencer community and how your brand will work with influencers. Yeah. So, you know, when you, I'm curious to hear more about like your gifting policy. Like, how do you pick which influencers you oh want my gosh, to it's gift your product so to? Hard. We get, I kid you not, maybe a hundred DMs a day. Oh, wow. Because we have a lot of our influencer friends posting it. So when other influencers see it, they're mm-hmm. going to message us saying like oh hey i saw you guys working with bloggers like would love to work with you guys where can i send you like my pitch and my first of all we're not paying anyone like mm-hmm. i would love to get to a point and uh, pay someone but we're such a baby brand that yeah you know it's like more of leveraging our relationships and like asking our friends like also our product is amazing i fucking love it so like I d- i'm not like throwing something in front of my friends saying hey like can you please wear this like it's not like a piece of crap shirt that they're you know that they're going to be embarrassed to wear right so like i feel like when 
celebrity X asks us for a pair of shoes. I can't say who because I hope he wears them one day. <laughs> but he asks us for like 15 pairs of shoes. Oh, wow. But he's also a huge mega star. So mm-hmm. I sent him 15 pairs of shoes. Right. But we like there was no return on it. Yeah, like he hasn't worn them yet. But you know what? If he does, I will die happy. So that's all that matters. Exactly. You got to make those choices every <laughs> once in a while. Exactly. It's worth the investment. Like we're not we're not going to pay anyone. But if, if it's worth sending it out when hopefully, you know, they wear it, then mm-hmm. cool. You know, that'd be amazing. But we'll reach out to most of our friends. But, you know, we... Marcel and I are strategic about it. Like if someone shows interest and they're our friend and we know that they're showing interest and they actually just want a pair to post, yeah, we'll give it to them. But if it's someone that's going to like request a fee with something that they're reaching out with, like I'm not, yeah. I'm, not, I'm like, I'm, I've been in this industry. Okay. I know what I'm doing. Right. And and don't play with me. <laughs> but that must be good though, because you know, like, you know, when to filter out like the crap and you just know what yeah. to look for. You know yeah, how to do exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that it taught me well. Yeah. So you see, like, you you kind of tap into your own friend pool of, of influencers and say, you know, if, if one of your friends is like, hey, these are cool, then you can, you know, send them a pair. And- yeah. When we launched, when I mean, we always did a small gifting of 5 to 10. And um, recently when we launched at Nordstrom, we did a bigger gifting of 25. And that was the most that we've ever gifted. Um, and we, sele- we went through the list. We made a huge list of all of our friends, and we kind of just, like, hand-selected the ones that you know, that made sense for us, that likes, that would like the brand, that wear the brand, that also that we don't have to feel awkward to say, hey, like, do you feel comfortable posting about it? Um, so it was, like, kind of nice having that. And we don't discriminate against any, like, oh, we're not going to gift him because he's a certain race or a certain color or a certain, like, anything. Like, no, like, we're, we just simply just select them based on who we think will actually post it and just, like, love them. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And then um, wanted to ask, looking into 2020, you know, what kind of goals you have set for the brand? Um, I know we talked a little bit about maybe expanding into new markets, anything like that. Are there any specifics you have in mind for 2020? I mean, I'm manifesting a collaboration with some kind of artist or someone really cool. Like, I would love to do some kind of collaboration. Sean Menace from Cari Flores, it's happening, guys. No, I'm kidding. Um, that would be amazing. I know, that would be amazing. Literally manifesting it right here. We're <laughs> manifesting it. Sending uh, good vibes. Um, but yeah, you know, like, I want to do, like, a fun collaboration, mm-hmm. either with an artist or an artist or a singer. Right. Um, also, I would love to, you know, expand into the European market. I feel like we get constant DMs and emails saying like, hey, when are you guys going to be available? Also, I would like to be available. We're not, we, do, we don't ship worldwide. Okay. Because it's very complicated. Right. And um, I'm sure expensive too. Extremely expensive. And um, we do offer it, but the person buying it has to cover all like the duties and the shipping and it's kind right. it becomes like twice the price of the shoe. Right. You, we do get a couple of those orders, which we're like, oh my God, people really Amazing. love them. Amazing. Yeah. But, you know, most of the time, like, I feel bad over it. Like, I don't want, I'm trying to find an efficient way. But again, like, it is a priority. It's just not on the top list right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things I feel like you have to kind of manage the growth of the company in the US. And then when you get to a certain point, maybe you can get there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We need to find, like, a, um, a shipping department in Europe or something. Yeah. But someone that we trust. So exactly. It's, it's hard to find both. Right. So if you didn't have this following, if you weren't an influencer, do you think you would have been scared to launch a brand like this or would have actually gone ahead and done it? I mean, if I'm speaking frank, I would probably say we would not produce. We would not have Ankari Flores today if we weren't influencers. Right. I just feel like we felt comfortable. We had the audience. We had the research. We, you know, we also 
had the knowledge, thanks to being influencers, we were exposed to all these markets and we were constantly invited to all these press events and press previews and saw our knowledge of the market. If we weren't influencers, we wouldn't have the knowledge that we have and we wouldn't know the market and we wouldn't feel comfortable releasing a collection. Right. And also we didn't have the audience, Yeah, which is key. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like the connections that you have and, yeah. and, you know, the people you know. I wouldn't have met our third our third silent partner. Like right. we wouldn't, I wouldn't have met him if I wasn't on a press trip because I was an influencer. Mm -hmm. The Ankari Flores brand basically revolves around being an influencer. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Any like big mistakes that you made early on in launching the brand? Um... We don't make mistakes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so yeah, actually, Marcel and I, when we first launched our first collection, we said, let's do a pre-sale okay. um, and see how many orders will come in. And yeah, of course, we got a few dozen, but the amount of traffic that we got to the website was insane. And I feel like when men shop, they are thinking, oh, like I want something now. Like I want to order and I want it to come. I don't want it to come in three weeks. Right. And that was a big problem. That was a big situation that we should have picked up on ahead of time. Okay. And then when we went live, yeah, the traffic was still there. Like the traffic was not as good. Like it wasn't as high as the first few weeks that we were launching. Like obviously that's what happens when the collection drops. People mm -hmm. have already seen the shoes. People have already like, you've seen them already. You get over them. So I think that was a big mistake. Like the, we we weren't readily available. Okay. So you like saw a bunch of orders come in and you just didn't have the product ready to go. No, 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 no. So we had a few orders ready. They were, I, we had orders in. We would have had way more if we were available. Got I it. Think. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Guys and girls obviously, you know, shop differently. And also we're not like a culty brand. We're, we're not like Yeezy. People aren't going to just pre-order us and like right. wait for my white sneaker. Like right. they're not going to do that. So like it, it's either... As a guy, I feel like when I shop, I want something. I want it now. Like, I want to order it. I want to have it this weekend. You know, like, I don't want to wait three weeks for it because in three weeks from now, my mind's going to change or I'm going to want something else. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that was something that we should have. And also, it's in three weeks from now when you order it, you've seen the product probably like twice, three times, four times by now where you're like, oh, it's not so new to me. Mm -hmm. So you're not as excited about it. The first time you see it is usually when we when you're the most excited about a product and that's when you purchase it. Right. So that's something that like, that was a big mistake for us. Okay. But we learned from yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? We're good. We're great. Yeah. We're better than ever. Every company has to have those ups and downs and learning curves. Yeah. It was a learning curve. It wasn't a, It wasn't much of a down. I feel like it was just like a learn. It was a, a long way up. But yeah, there you go. I yeah. like that. A long way up. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, like, again, we're, we're producing a lot of shoes. We're selling a lot of shoes. And, you know, our first collection, when we launched with Nordstrom in September, we sold out like five of our best silhouettes and we replenish them with times five what we ordered initially. So we still have quantities available, but we just want to, we, I rather have quantities to sell throughout the season than be sold out online. Cause it just doesn't make sense. Like right. why, what's the point of being sold out? So we kind of like invested our own money, like me, Marcel and our third partner kind of to have a good amount of quantity in the warehouse. So that way we're available and ready for the season. We don't want to be sold out in December and there's two seasons left and people still want a winter shoe. And, you know, if we order, if we order from our factories, it'll take two months to get them. So by the time we get them, it's already spring. So it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And also winter now, thanks to global warming is until May. So like we have a full, you have time. we have six months yeah. ready to go. Yeah. 
Um, to that point, actually, I wanted to ask, uh, so is the company self-funded by the three of you? I knew that was quite, that question was coming after I said You dropped that. it. I, I, I had to it. ask. I'm like, I'm happy to announce that it is. That's incredible. Self-funded. Yeah. I'm like, actually, we're going public. No, I'm kidding. Imagine. Major. That would be big news. Hot scoop. Yeah. I'm like, Ankari Flores, you'll see it down on, stock, uh, on Wall Street. On my way to work. On my way to work. I'm kidding. One day, hopefully. Yeah. You never know. You never know. I don't think that's a bad idea. The future is, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> great. Well, thank you so much for being here again. Really appreciate the time and the insights. It was great chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And uh, hopefully I'll see you guys soon. Yeah. Have a good one. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast Influencer Edition. Be sure to join us next week. We'll be talking to Danielle Bernstein of We Wore What.